0: And today we're continuing our Easter series, and we're taking one of those amazing passages of Scripture. It's the prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17. This is a prayer he prays for his disciples, but not just for them. He prays for all believers. In fact, this is a recorded prayer in Scripture which Jesus prayed for you and for me, literally as we'll see in a moment. And it's so important in our lives to understand what Jesus is praying for us. And it's especially relevant today because I want to share what I sense is a kind of prophetic word that God has for us at this time. But I felt particularly at the beginning of the year for us across the Woodlands group of churches and wider. And so this passage of scripture wonderfully illustrates it, so it'll be really clear. And the kind of prophetic stirring I felt have been these three words. Pursuing his presence. Pursuing his presence. You might say, well, can you pursue God's presence? Isn't it something that just happened? You come into church, you feel God's presence. No, we can actually pursue God's presence. In fact, Scripture says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So we are able, actually, to activate. It's not just a passive thing that, you know, we come and experience. How can we pursue God's presence? And we can look at three things that will come out in John 17. The first is to pursue God's presence, is to pursue the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The second is, to pursue his presence is to pursue fullness of joy. Psalm says, in his presence is fullness of joy. What does that mean? John 17 has an amazing section where Jesus says that, that my joy, the, the full extent of my joy may be in you. And then the third thing is, to pursue his presence is to pursue that fullness of his purpose for our lives. You know, Moses, when he was challenged to lead the people of God through the desert for 40 years, what an amazing challenge of leadership. And the first thing he says, oh, God, well, who are you going to send with me? Who's going to do it? And God says to him, my presence will go with you. And Moses says, unless your presence goes with us, Lord, don't send us up from here. Now, it's the presence of God. It's not exactly a map, How does, but it's his presence is the key to the fullness of his purpose in our life that sense of his guidance and direction so those are three things we'll be here till midnight tonight but i'll try and concise it into a so you can get home for lunch okay so once we get going you'll need to hold on to your chair so let's just read the passage first of all from john chapter 17 we're just gonna read from uh, about verses 13 through to 26 and here goes this is jesus praying he's praying for his own disciples as we deal with the easter so he's about to leave them and this is his prayer for them but it's also his prayer for us so john chapter 17 i am coming to you now But I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that you, they, may have the full measure of my joy. That's that expression, the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world... You know, sometimes you feel a bit like that. When life gets a bit tough, you feel, oh, I just want to get out of this. It's not about escapism, but rather not take them out of the world, but that you'll protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That's why scripture is so important in our lives, that sanctifying power. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify them. It's that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. Here's where Jesus prays for us. He's so are not just praying, here he's got these disciples around, praying for them. He said, but it's not just for them. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one as we are one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, May they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the world, before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and will continue to make you known, in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Father, we pray now that you come by your Spirit, Spirit of truth, that sanctifying effect of your Word in our lives. You know every one of us here this morning, Lord. You know what's brought us to church, Lord. Some of us may be in a struggle. We've come with real stress and pressure, maybe, Lord, in our lives. Some of us facing challenges for this coming week, decisions we've got to make tomorrow on Monday. And Lord, I pray now that you come by your Spirit that somehow here this morning we will sense a special awareness of your presence. Make your presence real to us, Lord. Real in such a way that it's not just while we're here we feel your presence, but those words of Moses, Lord, don't send us out from here unless your presence goes with us. Lord, I pray that this morning some of us will experience that reality of presence in a fresh way, for your glory. Amen. Amen. That's my prayer that for all of us, however new it is all to us, or however long we've been a Christian, that somehow today there may be just a fresh awareness of the presence of God in a way perhaps more than we've ever known before. So this is Jesus' prayer for his disciples, but also for those who will believe in the message that they bring. So that message has cascaded down the ages. So today, this prayer is for us. And we want to just sense, what does that mean for us as we enter this Easter period, as we've celebrated Palm Sunday and those early people were rejoicing that the king had come, as it were. It's only a few days later that the same voices are going to cry, crucify him. What does it mean for us today, though, to know that presence of God with us? So the way in which we experience the presence of God is not just about being in a particular service or listening to a particular set of music, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says these amazing words in John 16. He says, the Holy Spirit, he will take of the things concerning me and will make me real to you. He will make my presence real to you. So the more we know of the Holy Spirit in our life, the more we will know of the presence of God in our life. We cannot live the Christian life in our own strength. It's not about even though we may be kind to be, obey all that we've sensed God has commanded, and yet we can only do that in the power of the Holy Spirit, and particularly when it comes to our witness. Sometimes we struggle because we think, oh, I, I'm a bit nervous about sharing my faith. I don't know what to say, or something may have an eye. But it's not us. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through us. You shall receive power as the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. Now, the way that works in our life is like this. that when, I mean, just for those first disciples, they were terrified in a locked room, 120 of them. And suddenly, like a mighty wind, a rushing wind, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And suddenly, though before they were terrified, they find a boldness they didn't have before. You think, ooh. Some of them must have thought, Was that, "Did I say that? No, you didn't say that. The Holy Spirit spoke through you. Did I do that? No, the Holy Spirit did that in you." Now, it's so how do we experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our life? I say that especially, as I've said many, many times. You can only overflow when you're full. You may be ninety-nine percent full, but you won't overflow you only overflow when you 're filled with the Holy Spirit. that was what the description of what happened at Pentecost. They were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. they were all filled with the Holy Spirit because when you 're filled, then everything from now on of God pouring into your life is overflow overflow and it 's the overflow that makes the difference that 's what makes the difference in our worship. It's when we feel our our, our souls are bursting at the seams. It's not just us trying to find... But there's a sense of an overflow of the Holy Spirit. In our witness, the most powerful witness is the overflow of spirit-filled life. You just can't help it. It overflows. Everything around gets wet. So the fullness of the Spirit in our life is key to our witness. That's why Jesus says, Father, I'm not just praying for these here now. I'm praying for those who believe in me through the message that they will bring I say that especially at this time I think because one of the things the pandemic has brought is uh, lots of challenges in our world, it's brought uh, lots of heartache and grief and suffering it's brought lots of mental health challenges, of nervousness, anxiety, panic attacks Uh, the cost of living crisis brought all sorts of worries and anxieties and the war in Ukraine, for many people even a fear of what's the world coming to against all that is this a time for us to be sharing our faith yes because what i have found is there is a greater hunger actually a greater spiritual hunger that i've known for a long long time you know this year every week it's been wonderful to lead someone to the lord as personally not just preaching like this but just meeting and talking even the most unusual circumstances you know on christmas day this last christmas day we went to share Christmas Day with our our son and his family in Birmingham. Emma and Johnny came with us, and uh, we were quite a big gu- group of us. And uh, um, Hannah, our oldest granddaughter, oldest grandchild, uh, is just doing her PhD, and she's got really friendly with a lovely fellow called Martin. He's from Scandinavia, in fact, and... Um, he wasn't able to get back for Christmas, so he was staying with them as a family. And we went to church together on Christmas morning, because it was Sunday. And for me, it was unusual, because I wasn't speaking, I wasn't preaching, I wasn't even on welcoming. I wasn't on duty at all, and I was sat at the back, and because the family filled the whole row, I was sat behind them, and I was sat right behind Martin and Hannah. And then I sat behind them. And as I say, this wasn't because I was preaching. It's just that sense of in our lives, those promptings of God's Spirit, where the Holy Spirit, what I call those wow moments. where And as I'm sat there, I felt a wow moment. I felt God saying to me, Ooh just to pray for them and I, I prayed regularly for them but I felt a particular stirring and just somehow to draw alongside them and so it was Christmas day and everything was happening so when we went back for lunch and you know Christmas lunch is quite a big affair so everything was getting prepared I managed just to sit with Martin on the sofa before we went in for lunch and I said Martin, I said great to see you at the service this morning I said I, I said do, do, how do you find it? he said well to be honest, they called me pa, because that's my little shortened for granddad. You know, pa, they said, but oh, honest, pa, yeah, I've, I never go to church. And I've never been to church. It's only since I've known Hannah I've been to church, he said. He said, and here staying with his family, he said, you know what, pa, they sometimes pray when they're about to have a meal every time. And I said, oh, how do you manage with that? Ma? You, do you get embarrassed? He said, no. He says, okay, I feel a bit kind of in a community. And I said, I said, have you ever prayed yourself? No, he said, I've never ever prayed. Have you ever read the Bible? No, I've never read the Bible. Really, I said, has this stirred a bit of interest though? Would you be interested in exploring about the Bible? He said, I wouldn't know where to begin, Pa. I said, if someone was to help you, would you be interested in just exploring what the, you know, what the Bible says? He said, I would be actually. He said, I think I'd find that really interesting. I said, right. I said, we'll chat after lunch. Well, I tell you, after Christmas lunch, it was mayhem. There was, there were games and charades. It was about midnight by the time we'd finished, you know. So there wasn't any chance we were chatting, and we were going back the next morning on Boxing Day. So we had breakfast together, and eventually, uh, Martin emerged. I said to Martin, "I'm going out the door." And I said, "Martin, I've not forgotten that little thing." I said, would you still," eat? he said, "I would be interested, Barbara. I'm back to Stafford now. I'd be miles away." I said, "Doesn't matter." I said, "Just give me your mobile, and I'll WhatsApp video you." So he gave me his mobile. And it wasn't the next day because that was just, but the day after I WhatsApp videoed him and, uh, I spoke to him first time in his life, That obviously just explaining the, the existence of God and the meaning of faith and he was really interested. So I said, look, are you still interested in just exploring the Bible? He said, yeah, I wouldn't know where to begin. He said, I've even got a Bible. I said, well, you can, you can just get it online, I said, but uh, why don't we just, in the Bible, I said, there are four biographies of Jesus, four of them. So you've got plenty of opportunity. I said, "We well, just take one of them and just read the first three chapters of John's Gospel. I said, you'll find it sort of just towards the beginning of the New Testament, which is about sort of two-thirds of the way through, et etc." et cetera. And So he said, okay, I said, and, but write down any questions you've got about it as you read through. He said, I'll do that. I said, text me when you've done it and then we'll, we'll arrange a little call. I said, and we'll, we'll go through your questions. Anyway, the next day, Hannah phoned me and said, Pa, she said, I'd like to do that with Martin. Can we do it together? I said, yeah, do it together. I said, and text me when you've got your questions. So they did. And at the end of the week, they texted me said, Pa, here's our questions. And on the Saturday morning, WhatsApp video, so here I am at home with my laptop and they're sat on a sofa with a laptop and uh, and we talk to each other and they're crazy. Now there's something very special, you know, for someone for the first time ever themselves reading the Bible. And I was, so it's just the very first. it like was John's gospel, just the first line, you know. What does it mean by the word? Why, why the word? You know. And, and the next one, I said, well, you know, we communicate with words, so that's how we communicate. But God, God wanted to communicate with us, But He made the word become flesh in Jesus. Actually, oh, that's God's comm-. yeah. That's way God speaks to us. In the very beginning, in the when it was the word and God. But what about what about the Lamb of God? Why, why did they call him the Lamb of God? Was that just he was a kind of innocent little person, you know, going along like the oh poor little lamb, you know? No, no, no. He says the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world yeah but what does that mean no idea of animal sacrifice in the old testament i in the old testament they would take an animal they'd sacrifice it and it was a substitute for for their forgiveness and, and jesus was going to be that lamb of god and so we're going through i mean chapter one alone we had so many questions you know born again i mean that's exactly the same question nicodemus did you know and so we're going through you know and it was amazing you just felt there was a real interest. From the very beginning, I'd said, look, you can have lots of questions. I said, you can either ask a cynic, hoping there's not an answer, and if you do get an answer, you're quick, you've got your next one. Or also a seeker, where you really hope there's an answer. You. But they were real seekers, genuinely. Now, for Hannah, she had a whole background, a, a, a Christian background, but she felt she just needed somehow something in her life just to rededicate her life to law. For Martin, it was completely new. So we went on through, At the end of it, and we took about an hour and a half just going through their questions. The sofa Saturday morning, eleven o'clock, about eleven twelve thirty as it were, and, and um, so when we finished, I said, do you, "Do you want to do some more?" I said, "Oh yeah, Pa." I said, "We do a little bit of it every day." I said, "Well, oh, why don't we do seven chapters then?" Wow, seven chapters! Next seven chapters, and by next week, they said, "I tell you what, we'll do, Pa. We won't just put our questions through, but what we think are our answers as well." I said, "That would be really helpful because it helps you to understand their thinking when they're." Pro-. And so they did. On Thursday evening, they sent me a set of their questions a page a four and a half page of them you know questions etc next Saturday morning 11 o'clock we on our video and we we're kind of WhatsApp video we're going through and again just fascinating to see their questions by the end of it up for it again yep so the next one that was our third one now the next seven chapters we're getting towards the end of John's gospel now Remember. Th- 2 times 7, that's 14, plus 3 to start with, that's 17, only 4 chapters left, you know, and, and so we get towards the end of this section now, this is the third one, and they were full of questions, understandable questions, why, 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 why did Jesus take so long to get to Lazarus, when he healed all those other people, couldn't he have just healed him? I said, but you know, it says that they won't see the glory of God, it would have been God's glory if he'd gone there and healed at that day but Imagine what it means, because yeah, but it was too late, and he died, yeah, but then, if he could raise him for the dead, that would be even a greater glory for God, and, and so we're going through all these amazing questions, I mean, things we take, for you know, who are the Pharisees, what's, what's a Pharisee, you know, kind of thing, anyway, I now only got one more week with them, the next week, and by now, they really had absorbed so much of it. So I said, look, let me just give you a glimpse of next week, because it's a kind of final section we're going to go through. But like any book you read, like a novel, you know, particularly if you've got one of those gripping novels, you know, the author sometimes on the back of it gives you a little paragraph to tell you why he's written it. He went to Arctic Circle and saw the penguins or something like that, you know. But this is John's version of why he's written it. In John chapter 20, it says his amazing words. He says, you know, there are many other miraculous signs that Jesus did that are not recorded in this book. Well, that's not particularly helpful if they're not there. But... He says, I have recorded sufficient. Imagine that. That little Gospel of John is like a little pamphlet almost really. It's not like a you know, kind of great volume we get of autobiographies. But I've recorded sufficient here for anyone to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, to have life in his name. I said, this is over the video screen. I said, Martin, I said, has this helped you to understand who Jesus is? Paul, he said, like you couldn't imagine, he said. I, I had no idea it was all superstition and myth, he said. But I really think I understand who Jesus is. I said, That's wonderful, Martin. I said, What about the next bit where he goes on to say that you might have life in his name? Is that something you'd want? Oh, Pa, well, I, I think I would, he said, but I i wouldn't know how to find it or how to get it. I said, Well, you know, often the way a person becomes a Christian, even here today, if you're just a seeker, this is it. I said, some simple steps. It's got to be so... I don't want to make it sound like a formula. You can just do one. But it's got to be simple enough that even somebody who couldn't read or write, it's for everyone. I said, well, even often, of just like, a, like an ABC. Now, I wasn't with them. They're back in, up in Stafford. So uh, I went through what we often do in... Why Jesus? It's got a kind of ABC. I said, here's the ABC. I said, A is just to admit your need to say sorry to God. C is to believe that Jesus is the Son of God who loved you and gave Himself for you. And C is to commit your life to Him. I said, uh, they said, but how do we do that? I said, well, for many people, and I've helped many, many people over the years, sometimes just putting into a prayer those simple steps. They said, but, Arthur said, but I never prayed. I wouldn't know how to pray. I said, well, would you like me to help you? If you could, he said, well, let me tell you what we're going to pray and then. I'm going to pray it with you and for you to pray. And so I did. And we prayed together just simply step by step. The first time in their life and it was so real just to hear them pray, oh God, I'm sorry for all wrong things I've done in my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. I believe as a son of God you loved me and gave yourself for me. I now commit my life to you. And as they prayed, I felt all heaven rejoice. It was something very special. You know, whenever... And I do find that a great joy. You know, every week, this, last, this year, on average, every week it's been wonderful to pray with somebody to come to know the Lord. Not just preaching, but just one-to-one, meeting somebody, talking with them. When they finished prayer and I said, Amen, I said, Welcome into the family of God. And the first thing they said to me is, Pa! maybe we'd better go and find a church tomorrow because <laughs> I said that would be great and so they did they went and found a local church we were along to etc and, and then we finished it the next week and I said what do you want to do and they said well we'd like to do some more I said well what we could do is why don't we just take um, the next book which is Acts and so last week we just finished Acts together about baptism we're just looking at when they can get baptized and about the fullness of the Holy Spirit there in Acts 2 as they were filled with the Holy Spirit you see it's that fullness of the Holy Spirit that's a key to the overflow, to making real the presence of God. When I sat there that Christmas morning, it wasn't just that I felt family present, or I felt the presence of God, that prompting of God's Spirit that stirs in us his heart for a world around us. I must hasten. The second thing is that, and it's so powerful here in John 17, where Jesus says those amazing words, that they may have... The full realization of the joy, of my joy in them. On another occasion he says, that my joy may be in them so that their joy may be full. A fullness of joy. Psalm 16 says, in his presence is fullness of joy. See, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. There's a fullness of joy. And we say, but Rob, you know the difficulties I'm going through? Maybe heartache, hurt, pain. Maybe physical suffering, maybe emotional suffering. Maybe your challenge is not just you, but folks close to you in your family and heartache and bereavement, grief. Are you saying, Rob, that there's joy in that? See, the Bible has this amazing statement in Philippians 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always, always. And again I say rejoice. But wait probably don't know what I'm going through. How how could I rejoice when there's so much pain and suffering, so much heartache and hurt? But this joy is not measured by how loud we laugh. This measure is not by how much we joke. It's not that kind of joy. It's an inner joy. The Bible says the greatest expression of human suffering in the world was the cross of Jesus. But it says this, that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. He could see the outcome of that, the forgiveness of our world, a fullness of joy that he could give, that my joy could be in you, says Jesus. No matter what challenges we're facing, just recently a dear friend here in Bristol who was going to get his hospital results from tests he'd had, and it was a really testing morning because the diagnosis was that he had serious cancer and may not have long to live suddenly that overwhelming sense of your days are numbered and you don't know how long he said but Rob do you know what I read that morning he said this is my daily reading just as I was reading through I didn't choose it it chose me it was Psalm 139 he said these words it was like as if God, all my days are adorned by uh, are allotted by you before one of them comes into being He said, when I read it, I felt that overwhelming sense that God is in control. I felt a joy welling up within me in all I just heard of that news, he said. See, there is a source of joy that's not coming out of circumstances. It's not just that we've just heard we've got a a promotion at work or got a price, uh, a a wage rise, or we just passed our driving test, or maybe anyone would be joyful. Anybody who doesn't even know God or think about God would be joyful about that. We have you know, a source of joy that's different. There's an inner source of joy, which it's not just that we're joyful when God gives us strength and we feel joyful. The joy of the Lord is our strength. There's a source of our strength. There's an inner joy welling up within us. So that the Holy Spirit, that fullness of God's Spirit, Jesus describes it like streams of living water welling up inside of us. There's a source of joy welling up inside of us. The fullness of his presence to pursue his presence is that fullness of joy that fullness of the Holy Spirit but thirdly and perhaps most significantly is that to pursue his presence is another fullness of his purposes in our lives that sense of God's guidance God's direction there's a purpose a sense we're being sent as it were that's what Jesus says father as you have sent me into the world I now send them into the world there's a sense of God's purpose that's why Moses says those amazing words is about to lead the people of God into the desert he says Lord unless your presence goes with me don't send me don't send me out from here from here it's the presence of God with us every day of our life whatever we are it's not just here in church on a Sunday we may be in the midst of a difficult circumstance or a different conversation difficult situation as it were and, how do we sense the presence of God going with us? That's what, Jesus, that's what God said to Moses. My presence, my presence will go with you. That prompting of God's Holy Spirit. For me, many years ago, I had a significant experience that shaped my life, particularly that stirred me about prayer and that life of prayer. It was about an experience of almost in a surrogate way experiencing the presence of God what happened was and I, I, I just shared this recently with some folks so it's fresh in my mind though it happened many many years ago before many of you were born so this would be about well certainly over 50 years ago and what happened I'd been entrusted with an amazing project in fact it was and um I had this special kind of award thing that was to be able to to go for three months to the Middle East and to research the whole of industrial and technological development of the nation of Israel which at that time was very fascinating a rapidly growing economy where they had been able to cultivate the desert with desalination plants where they began to early forms of internet even before the internet was really there but the, and that's why it's still one of the leaders today. and so I spent a month at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem and then spent time visiting all around Israel But there's one thing I was longing to do. Before I'd gone, I had for some time had a contact with a dear old lady in Bethlehem. She was blind, her name was Auntie May. And she had run this amazing home for disabled and blind people. A remarkable work. And uh, I prayed for her many times. And I'd written to her and said, if ever I was to go to the Middle East, I'd love to be able to visit her. But I wasn't sure if that'd be possible. And it certainly didn't look possible because in those days, remember this is so far back that it was before the Six Day War, so that tells you how long ago it was. And um for those who remember that was in sixty seven, so it was before then. And, and um what had happened was um, there was no you couldn't you couldn't go from Israel into what was then Palestine, as it were, or Jordan. Uh, and in fact, um, you couldn't even communicate. There wasn't any internet, but you couldn't send a letter or do anything. You couldn't post anything or communicate between them. So I had gone months before to israel and done this amazing project there and i was hoping there would be some way in which i'd be able to visit Anti in and Bethlehem, but it looked impossible and then eventually uh, through the contacts i'd had through this research i've been doing i eventually got to be able to negotiate with the um with the embassy in israel to have an unusual thing they gave me a second passport now it sounds bizarre doesn't it they gave me a clean passport and here I am going to pass from Israel with now, with Israel not on my passport through what was known as the Mandelbaum Gate in Jerusalem to be able to get across to, to Jordan. And, uh, uh, it was, it was a really hassly exercise, but eventually we managed to have it. I had to clear all the research I'd done. I had to make sure I got it. I, I couldn't take across the Jordan, all the industrial development of Israel. So I, I sent that out to the country and, and went across and it was a really hassling experience. I was the only person crossing because you couldn't cross in those days and it was through the Mandelbaum Gate and they spent hours. They searched Every hair on my comb, as it were, you know, and it was a really hassly experience. So when I got through, eventually, I, I, I just wanted to find somewhere quiet before I try and find how I would get down to Bethlehem, because Auntie May had no idea that I'd ever be able to cross there or go there or where. I'd be. So I found the Garden Tomb that some of you may have read about or even visited the garden tomb which is believe, the leading place where Jesus was buried and it's a fascinating little garden there a quiet place and I remember pushing through in those days was a little old creaky wooden door and I pushed through this door of the garden tomb and I sat on a stone I can still picture it now a stone bench here and put my bags down just to catch my breath and, and as soon as I put my bags down there was a doorman on the gate and the gate began to squeak open again I heard a voice say is brother Robert here? I stood up with the hairs on the back of my head and I thought oh well, well my, my my name's Robert. By now the door had fully opened and an old lady had stepped inside and turned towards me. I could see she was blind. And I said to her, because I'd never ever seen her in my life, lo- I said, are you, are you Auntie May? She said, I am Auntie May and you must be Brother Robert. I said, Auntie May, how did you know I would ever be able to cross? How did you know it would be today? How did you know I'd be here? This is miles from... Oh, she said to me, like as if it was like if it was just an ordinary, everyday thing. She said, this morning, I was in the presence of the Lord. And the Lord said to me, go to the garden tomb at noon, and you will find Brother Robert. My, talk about the hairs about my head. By now, I was ready to feed. <laughs> but it was just that amazing moment, you know. But I then went to stay with her for two weeks, to live in that little home in Bethlehem. And I learned so much about prayer she would spend when she prayed you'd look around to see where the lord was you know it was such a sense of the presence of god when she prayed there was such a sense of god's presence there and she taught me so much about prayer particularly about pursuing the presence of god those promptings of god's spirit that still small voice in the midst of situations this is the way walk in it that's the promise of scripture god's guidance god's direction See, God's direction is not just a set of instructions that God has given us, God's instruction for finding the next place. His direction is the reality, his presence with us, going with us, guiding us, shaping. On this Palm Sunday, that's my prayer for us today. That's that prophetic word, I feel, pursuing his presence, the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our life. Some of us, we've experienced the experience We've experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our life, but then it's often said we we're a bit leaky at times and we can find that life's challenges. We leak it and we've lost the fullness. We we still experience the Spirit of God, but not the fullness of the Holy Spirit. What would it be today? Even as we have a chance for ministry today. Just that fresh anointing. I think I I think I think well, brought with me my little, I often do my little cruise of oil, which I love every day to be praying over and praying. I, um, I hope I, get, I got a little drop. I think so my little cruise of oil. What do you mean to be able to pray or just anoint the oil in a sense of that fresh fullness of the Holy Spirit? What would it be where somehow in life you've lost the joy? It was even in the early church, you know, when the great challenges was you've lost your first love, that first joy of salvation. What is it to know that fullness of joy? My joy in you, that your joy may be full. What is it to know his presence with us? I'm going to pray now in a moment. When I pray, this is my prayer. When we leave today, we may really generally sense, Lord, don't send us out from here like Moses prayed, unless your presence goes with us. To take the presence of God with us in all his fullness. Let's stand together as we pray and then we're just going to continue in worship. If for any of you this morning are seekers and even that little booklet with the ABC of Why Jesus Do, ask for one of those. as some, I think, at the back, but i happily give my copy to you. But we want to give a chance later for prayer as well, but let me just pray now in these moments. Just be ready to receive. We invite the Holy Spirit just to fill us afresh. So, it's helpful just maybe to open your hands in an attitude of receiving. God is much more willing to give and we're ready to receive. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Gentle dove of heaven, descend upon us afresh. You know our hearts, Lord, for some of it's all new, for some of us We've lost the freshness. We long just for a second touch, Lord. Come now. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh. Even now, Lord, welling up from deep within, spring up a well, spring up a well. Fill us afresh, Lord. That overflow of joy, the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Lord, this week, every step we take, every decision we need to make, every challenging circumstance we face, may we just sense your presence with us, unfolding your purposes in our lives. Lord, don't send us out from here unless your presence goes with us. Come now, fill us afresh, we pray. As we stand in your presence, Lord, Lord, we want to pursue your presence. In Jesus' name, amen, Lord, amen.